dumb fun. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast with Andy and Steph. Stephanie, here we are. Uh, episode. It could only be um, 10, probably. Probably. Hey, Andy, I have a question. Yeah, Steph, I have time for, you know, that's two more questions. Um, what are your top five favorite things about snow? <laughs> well, uh, just I'm sorry. We only have time for the top five. OK, uh, number one is definitely washing my face and hair and hands with it. <laughs> that's also uh, on my list. With a bullet. Um, it's, it's it's your favorite season, Steph. Is that fair to say? You a winter guy? hundred percent. Okay, I used to be a winter guy. You know, you used to be a winter gal. Yeah. Um, we we've talked. I like what what was is it like a coziness thing? Is it um, uh, Lo- love hoodies? Yeah, <laughs> that was about the size of it. That's about all of it. <laughs> I love season. hoodies. I love an excuse <laughs> to have a hood over my head. It's covering my neck. I'm warm. From tip to tail stuff. Now, I think that people who know you now might be surprised to hear you say that because you're not usually a fan of any kind of sleeve. See, and that's when I stopped being a winter guy. That's when I sort of transitioned to being a summer guy. When I chopped off the sleeves, all of a sudden I was like, I like feeling that sunbeat down on these shoulders. Mm-hmm. That's something I'd mm-hmm. never really done before in Vitamin my life. D. That's right. And then uh, now I now now I get the, the, the pleasure of layering, you see. I see. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I love winter. This place is love... really hot inside. Stuff on during the winter. <laughs> it's true. It's the um, radiator places, especially. Um, that's you got to be prepared. I saw someone say that you could either. It's now this season. You can either dress for uh, the walk or the subway, but not both. Like yeah. you get to pick one. You can't. Yeah. Um. You can't dress for the office. Uh, if this you work is, in an we're, office, we're spending so much time talking about the weather. Well, <laughs> it's snow. It's snow season stuff. It is, and I, that's I know because let, let's go back. The year was 1954. You remember it? Uh, yeah. Korea was either was probably um, happening as a war. Um, the uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower uh, ruled, ruled the, the airwaves. airwaves every time he did a, a fireside chat. And uh, uh, and a little movie was the number one grossing movie of 1954, and that movie was called White Christmas, starring Bing wow. Crosby. It's the hap hap happiest damn Christmas since Bing Crosby danced with Danny fucking K, <laughs> as they say in White Christmas, or uh, uh, as your as your family calls this movie, a Griswold family Christmas. As they say in Griswold family Christmas, yeah. But the actual name is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I've, I've never heard but that. But that's not the movie life. we're here to talk about today, Steph. <laughs> we're here to talk about White Christmas. What? I love this movie. Um, I know you do. So why don't you ask me a question first? Yeah, what's your relationship to this movie? Thank you for your question. Um, I So I had not seen this movie. Uh, you, you and I... I guess it's time to finally talk about this in the podcast, that there was a point where you and I were sending each other songs every day to build a playlist together. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then when Christmas season started that same year, we flipped it to, to Christmas songs mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. built a separate Christmas playlist together. And one of the one day you sent me one of the most ridiculous songs I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life called Snow uh, by Bing Crosby et al., 
uh, and uh, and that was the first time I had heard. I mean, besides, of course, the title track "White Christmas," which we'll get into. Any other uh, deep cut from the movie "White Christmas," and then we watched it uh, sometime. Either I'm going to call it Christmas of 2020, maybe maybe our our pandemic Christmas that we watched that White right. Christmas. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and that was that was the first time I had seen it, and the second time I saw it was yesterday. <laughs> And that yeah, is my relationship I, to White Christmas. I feel like I feel like we're going to talk about the difference between those two watching experiences. Well, so what is your watching experience? To White um, my relationship. I, this is another. I don't really remember exactly the first time that I saw it, um, but like a slightly older version, older edition of that. Um, meaning, like I was old enough that I remember thinking the minstrel song was a problem. <laughs> um so like not 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 like a wee baby but also um but like i don't you know i i just have always remembered this i i do love snow um and so i very much gelled with that part i love um i love all the dancing that there is in this movie i love how much of this movie is um like, I love how much this movie is dedicated to there being musical numbers happening on the screen, whether or not they're necessary for the plot. Like, <laughs> I have, at some point in my plot summary, I have, like, meanwhile, the company does a number. Um, I mean, I, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but that could also be said of Phantom of the Opera. Hell yeah. I love that shit. <laughs> Pour that shit into my eyeballs. <laughs> Half uh, of the songs of Phantom of the Opera are, we're doing this song in a play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is great. Um, so yeah, it's just sort of it's been like culturally around, and then. Um, but who is? I mean, I guess my question is: everyone has a white woman in their life who shows them this movie. So who, <laughs> who was that woman for you? I so like it could have been uh, any number of white women in my life, um, like a, a an older cousin, um, a. Uh, like there, so I guess what I'm saying is that I have like pockets of people that I that are like you love White Christmas, I love White Christmas binders. Let's, yeah, exactly. It's just binders a little of women, yeah, binders full of them, yeah, pages, um, and uh, yeah, it kind of became a little like a little shibboleth of um, as as I don't know why I like that phrase so much. But a little, a little like passphrase into uh, knowing that we could like chill and talk about movies. So it's kind of um, it's kind of ubiquitous in your life. It sounds like, yeah, fair to say. But, but like, yeah, I guess that is fair to say. Um, mm-hmm. But then specifically, so Maddie and I, my sister Maddie, um, yeah, we dressed up as the t- as the si- I was going to say as the titular sisters. They're not. They're not the, the title of this movie. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Betty White and Susan Christmas. <laughs> yeah, heard of Betty White. Wow, okay. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so we dressed up as the sisters for Halloween one year. Uh, Which one of you and... had your neck covered? <laughs> uh, I did. I don't know if okay. Maddie also did. We should talk about that. Um, we'll get there. Uh, but I, but like no one knew who we were. Like truly no one. Other than, like, my one roommate who, or, like, you know, my, like, immediate, but, like, Madison, Halloween is a big deal there. I mean, I think every college town in Halloween is a big deal, but it was, like, that kind of Halloween, and we were walking around. No one had any idea. They were like, oh, I like your fans. They're good fans. Um, <laughs> so you're the sister's and, wardrobe. 
Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Okay. Um, and uh, then, like, from a balcony, like, across the street, someone yells out, oh, my God, it's the sisters. And then we got to have this, like, fun little exchange with, with someone finally. And then, like, six months later, we met him. And, and like, we figured out that, like, this person who we knew, we were both in a play, this other person who was in the play, like, was that person who had shouted wow. down to us. That's incredible. I, uh, I have no idea if that was a good story. It was just a weird thing that happened Great to story. Us. Great story. It's Thank making you. the edit. Don't worry. Um, I, uh, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that this movie... Uh, is about sisters, and the last movie we had Maddie on to discuss was also uh, about sisters the, that lived in a convent. The, uh, oh, 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 like a like like God's sister. That's right, God's sister. <laughs> That's right. Do you know that old saying? They're sisters with God. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Well, Steph, we we talked about uh, at least uh, one of our guests enough. Why don't we Why don't we start to bring him in? Hell yeah. You know her as uh, one of the founding members of the University of Wisconsin's award-winning acapella group, Pitches and Notes. It's my sister, Maddie Smith. What's up, Maddie? Hey. I don't think that they probably did know that about me and Pitches, but (laughs) now you do. And guess what? They won ICAs. I know. We said award Like, number one acapella group in the entire country. Like... That's wild. Our other I guest know. must be starstruck right now to realize that she's on a Zoom call with the founder of Pitches and Notes. She's freaking <laughs> I out. Mean, I didn't win ICAs. I just started the group that won it like 12 years later. Well, <laughs> that's okay. You know, look, Just to be clear about that. You, know, you named like, them Pitches and Notes. That's true. You wow. gave them the biggest gift of all. And it still holds on to this day. It's not considered too problematic. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let, let me introduce our, our, guest? our other guest, one of the premier musical comedians. I would say in the country. Uh, you may know her as a TikTok sensation. You may know her from uh, the historical show at the Annoyance during the pandemic. Out of Touch was that what it was called? Um, what was that show called? I'm gonna call it Out of Touch. Sure. Yeah, we'll call it that. Okay. Uh, it was, that was done in lockdown with the cast and crew in lockdown creating and, and performing the show in lockdown. Uh, and uh, uh, you may know her from performing uh, improv and sketch at the Second City, at the Annoyance Theater, any of the various stand-up and improv. She's a daywalker. She does, you see, she does sketch, improv, and stand-up. This girl does it all. One of my favorite people in the world, Ashley Lyston, is here. Hi, Ashley. Hey, what an intro. Yeah, so of kind of you. I mean, Can we... Wait, can I? You didn't even talk about Boy Band the Musical. That's true. One of our Boy Band now, the Musical changed my life. Our th- <laughs> our third guest, at least, to have actually written a musical uh, is Boy. And I bet more than one, right? You've been. Have you written more than Boy Band? No, my only full length musical is Boy Band. Steph and I went and saw. We brought uh, another uh, couple of friends of Steph and Maddie's with us, and it was just the sort of thing where they're like, "Yeah, we'll go. We'll see what this is about. We're we're down to check out weird theater stuff." And uh, and man, by the end of it, we were just like, holy shit, that was amazing. Uh, <laughs> Ashley, I'm going to ask you this uh, question first, because I think it's going to be kind of a short answer. But what is your relationship <laughs> to the movie White Christmas? Well, you see, a person named Andy Fleming asked me if I would watch the movie <laughs> White Christmas for a podcast. And I said, um, of course. So I really have no connection to this movie. I 
I don't have connections to a lot of holiday movies. My family wasn't really into them, but um, we did like that one little like claymation one, the Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, with the year miser. without a Santa Claus. You're, what's the one with the heat miser? In that year without a Santa Claus? See, this is how Snow, connected I am. Mr. Snow? Yeah. yeah, we had that one kind of on yeah. replay in our house, but nothing else really. So I didn't have a deep connection to this movie, but... I'm excited to kind of get into it today and talk through, talk through all of the, the quirks and the fun, fun things that <laughs> happened in there. You're telling me you watched it on Netflix in the past 48 hours. I have, I that. have watched that on. I watched it during my lunch break at work. I, I saw it was two <laughs> hours, so I kind of divvied it up. Nice. Didn't want to overwhelm myself with Christmas spirit. <laughs> that was smart. Really, really get to absorb all of it. Yeah. Yeah. appreciate yeah exactly but, I mean, and i mean this is like if i had a letterbox profile that it would say this for my bio 20 to 30 minutes could be cut out of this, <laughs> <laughs> like of every movie but of this movie too but uh and i'm just gonna say right now like the first 20 to 30 minutes could be cut oh, out yeah i i think we're gonna have a lot of fun with our with the editing process in a rewrite well maddie what about you so when do you do you remember first encountering this movie or is it like stuff where it's sort of so I was Am really I that hoping that woman? Steph remembered hers because <laughs> I also don't know. this. I was thinking about this, though, and um, I'm going to bring Clueless into this, and then it's going to tie back. You'll see. Right. So our aunt, you know, we were going to the um, gas station to rent movies up north Wisconsin, as you do, and my aunt was like, oh, we should rent Clueless, and I was, you know, six or whatever at the time, and I just remember thinking, like, um, no, I'm going to get a movie that I want. <laughs> And she was like, you know, no, I think you'll really like this one. And I was like, um, okay, whatever, but let's also get one that I want. And then we watched it and I was like, oh shit, I liked that. Like, does that mean that like other things that people recommend are also good? Like, <laughs> maybe. And so that was like kind of a pivotal moment for me. Um, and I feel like White Christmas is kind of like that. I don't know if this, like if I saw it before or after that Clueless thing, but it was always something that, you know, our we had a big family, lots of aunts, uncles, cousins running around, and so many of them seemed to really like White Christmas or, like, talk about it or suggest we watch it or whatever. And I just, as a kid, remember being not interested, thinking, you know, it's like an old movie. I'm not going to be into it. Um, you know, what is it? What's in there for me? And then at some point, we watched it, um, and I liked it. And so I've seen it a bunch since. Um as Steph said, you know, we dressed up that one year. I do have a photo <gasps> that I dug Whoa. out of my archives. A... Yeah. Oh, wow. Look oh, at those fans. Yeah. Right? They're yeah. great fans. You guys are both neck. You're both, both of you have the covered neck. So you're both. We do. Allen. We found matching turtlenecks. <laughs> it um, looks great. It looks amazing. Please send that to those me so I can share were... it with the promo. <laughs> oh, I will. Those fans were a little um, interesting to construct, but they held up really well. Yeah, they still exist anywhere. No, um, I'm. Oh, I mean, I don't know. They're probably like in the back of um, a house on Mifflin Street or something. I do want to point out two things. One, um, that a couple weeks ago when we talked about the Wizard of Oz, Steph said that you guys rented it from your church, and now you said that you rented Clueless, that was the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Thank you. We yes, were talking about witches. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that does make sense. Uh, it's a more Christian movie than The Wizard of Oz. Um, <laughs> but uh, now you you mentioned running Clueless from the gas station. I'm just wondering, were you guys were allowed in Blockbuster? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, I mean this is like in in like North North Wisconsin. 
Like, I don't know that there is a, or I guess at the time, there probably wasn't a blockbuster for like, I'm going to say 100 miles in any given direction. Wow. And you know, I think there was movie rental options at both the gas station and the grocery store. Yeah, Yeah. I was going to say. I mean, I definitely used to rent movies from the, from the little like, you know, there was like like a little five by 10 area of the grocery store that had movies that you would rent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I I do warmly remember that. It was just that, but it's sunny. <laughs> um, and then here's the other thing I wanted to bring up really quick is that we recently, Steph and I recently uh, spent Thanksgiving with your mother, Maddie, who is also Steph's mm-hmm. mother. And uh, <laughs> she she told us that she really liked our Sound and Music episode that you were on and that uh, oh, she yeah. would sometimes put it on just in the other room because it was like having you having you guys home, which I thought was really sweet. So uh, can we maybe just for a few seconds, just for your mom, Chris, just do like you guys yell into each other from room to room just so she can put this one on too. Uh, uh, sure. Hey, Maddie, can you, yeah, can, I, can I borrow that sweater for, um, for the, the panel tonight? Like the, but, the button up. Yeah. One? You have to give it back though. I always give it back. I'm um, not like, yeah, gonna right? what about my, what about my blue sweater? I mean, I, I gave it back eventually. Is that good? Yeah, that's I, good. I feel there like I started. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Back there in high Christmas. school. Merry uh, Christmas, Mom. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump into this movie, you guys. So I'm going to give a little bit of background on sort of the making of this movie. In 1940, Irving Berlin signs a contract with Paramount Pictures to write songs based on his idea for a musical about a hotel at Christmas time starring Bing Crosby. One of those songs is White's Christmas, and that movie is called Holiday Inn. Not White Christmas. <laughs> and they, so it's this movie Holiday Inn in, in 1942, I think it is. And White Christmas is sort of pitched as a follow up to that and based on the song and sort of based as a loose remake of Holiday Inn. Fred Astaire, though, who was the star of uh, Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby, turns it down. And then this comedian, Donald O'Connor, takes the other role for a minute, but he had to drop out due to an illness. I researched his illness and I'm so glad I did. It's an illness he got from a certain Hollywood star named Francis the Talking Mule. So uh, <laughs> Donald O'Connor had to drop out of this movie because he had mule sickness. So Danny Kay is brought in instead. And I mean, we could get to this a little later, but I'll just mention up top that he's an okay dancer, but he's not really able to do the steps that have been set out for the other two gentlemen. So that's why there's this guy, John Brascia there, who is the weird third guy doing choreography with a lot of Vera Ellen's numbers like in the where you're like why is danny k not the one dancing with her right now why is he like literally tag someone in (laughs) yeah and then he's just the third guy doing business uh that's john brascia who was brought in to like make up for the dances that danny k couldn't do uh the even the the inn that they did here for the vermont inn is the remodeled set from holiday inn uh, and it's the, which is why it's gray because Holiday Inn was a black and white film, and so they painted everything in grayscale because color was a waste of resources back then. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, that's they literally dig the set out of storage. Is how much uh, this is a remake. Uh, but it's the plot's relatively different. It's basically the only thing they have in common is that it's about a hotel at Christmas time. That's so interesting because I was gonna say, and we'll kind of get to this, but. White Christmas has like so much personality to it and it kind of like sticks with you. Like I've seen Holiday Inn, but I don't really remember much about it. Um, And before I knew that remake story or not remake, but, you know, follow up, um, 
I would I was going to compare kind of White Christmas to Holiday Inn anyway in that regard to highlight you know all the personality and kind of uniqueness we get in White Christmas compared to some of those other you know there's probably ten or so um, kind of similar older movies that are not quite as memorable. Right. There, I, I will say one other piece of trivia before we start to about the sort of Holiday and White Christmas thing, which is. That I looked up if this movie is nominated for any Oscars, and it's nominated for Best Original Song for White Christmas, uh, but loses to, of course, let's all say it at the same time, the title song from Three Coins in the Fountain. But uh, what's weird about that to me is that Irving Berlin had already won the Oscar for Best Original Song for White Christmas from the movie Holiday Inn. So I don't even understand really why he was allowed to be nominated for this song again. It's called, it's literally Best Original Song. I was speechless. <laughs> Did that um, hotel motel holiday inn song get nominated from Holiday Inn? Not that I, not that I know of. Or did it? <laughs> I think you're talking about Rapper's Delight. Say uh, yes. what? From okay. Holiday Inn, yeah. From Holiday Inn, 1942. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people think Rapture by Debbie Harry was the first rap song, but <laughs> no, it was Hotel Motel Holiday Inn from the movie Holiday Inn, <laughs> the title song, which I we I, I guess it's for our Holiday Inn episode, but. Like, I guess that's what they named the whole hotel chain after. Like, does Ben Crosby see a taste of that? I don't know. <laughs> Irving Berlin, at least, I would hope. Uh, so let's let's jump into the plot. Let's start talking about it, Steph. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, it's Christmas Eve, 1944, somewhere on the warfront. And Broadway star Bob Wallace, who is Bing Crosby, pretty much playing Bing Crosby, is putting on a little Christmas pageant for his division. And this is where we get, just right off the bat, White Christmas. His division includes aspiring performer Phil Davis, played by Danny Kaye. Same jokes. Their beloved Major General Waverly is having his last day. And the whole division has practiced a goodbye song for him, the old man. And then after the song, uh, enemy bombers attack. And while they're taking cover, Phil pulls Bob away from a collapsing wall. And Phil gets injured in the process. Uh, Bob asks how he can pay him back. Phil shoots a shot, and blammo, they're a dancing duo now. Uh, it's he sort of appears to definitely like sucker him in to being his dancing writing partner. Okay, I was thinking about this because this is like a repeating like bit throughout the movie. Is that like Phil saves Bob in this one moment, and then like. For seemingly for the rest of their lives, Bob just does whatever Phil wants because of that. And like at some point, that's on you, Bob. <laughs> I um right at the beginning of their well of Bing Crosby's performance, and then um, Phil Davis has a little moment with the general too, where he's kind of like spatting around and trying to come up with words. Um, <laughs> but just they open with showing us exactly who they are right uh-huh. at the top. So, you know, I think Phil's very much a like, um, I don't, not a yes man, but he's, you know, got ideas and he's going to kind of meddle a little bit and like push and help support. And, um, you know, Wallace is more like not so much into that, like kind of like a lone wolf, but with a heart of gold, like he's put on this whole thing for the general, um, to -hmm. support him. And I think part of, I mean, obviously they didn't have that much of a relationship right up top, but enough that they were performing together, you know, for the troops. So I think part of that is him kind of like secretly loving it and giving in with like any excuse to. Yeah. um, But still trying to keep that front of, no, I'm a 
cool, collected, calm, whatever. It does also make me wonder, like, what sort of... Was this, like, the entertainment division of the army? Because, like, (laughs) it ends up having this Broadway guy and this, like, dancing guy who writes songs and presumably Ed Harrison, the TV show (laughs) host, uh, were all in this company. Also, another question. If it's 1944 and he's singing this in the army, is he potentially covering the song from Holiday Inn, which came out Ooh, in 1942? That's really interesting. I love well, that. Well, so question. his character is not the same character as no. he right, was yeah. in Holiday So he doesn't Inn. have to like so, exist in the same canon. So maybe, maybe. yeah. This is like maybe. how like the Harry Potter characters don't know about Harry Potter. <laughs> or we're to assume that like Wallace just like spends all his time in the army writing songs to put on for other army guys. Not a bad gig. No, it's nice working if you can get, if you can get it. Or they they did one of those men in black flasher guys on everyone to make them Maybe. forget about White Christmas so that they could get a sec Irving Berlin could get a second Oscar. Also, Irving but I mean does that thing. Andrew Lloyd Webber does it all the time, but like they're like, all right, Irving Berlin, we need you to write a movie. And he's like what about someone who writes songs for plays and every woman wants him? <laughs> Come on. So we get a montage of um, Wallace and Davis, like, learning to be Wallace and Davis. Uh, and they make it so big that they have, like, their own show with a whole cast and a review and a beautiful odd couple relationship. So one thing I noticed when I was taking notes when we were watching yesterday is that like I'm pretty sure most of what I want to talk about are just like individual lines and their incredible delivery and we're we're right at the first one which is I wish I remembered her name doesn't matter she's she's like a a hot girl in the cast that uh Phil is trying to set Bob up with so that he can go on his own dates and and Bob says how are you doing and she goes mutual I'm sure this yeah. woman uh, is uh, her name's Barry Chase is the as the actress's name and she like would become Fred Astaire's like dancing for partner for a, yeah yeah for a long time for a series of TV specials yeah but she doesn't dance at all in this one no not in this isn't that interesting uh-huh. hmm. she's loyal um, to Fred Astaire he said no he so said she no and only she's reluctantly like, said I'll yes only flap my gums in this picture I swear <laughs> Mr Astaire and what did she say. She's like, not even a kiss on the foot or an apple in the mouth or something like that. Yeah, she's like, not even so much. Not even so much as a kiss my foot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember apple in the mouth. I don't know. We can have a lot of fun with that lines on the remake. (laughs) Uh Not so much as a slap on the ass and a call of me Susan, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, We also get the line uh, uh, where... Phil wants Bob to have nine kids so that if he spends five minutes a day with each kid, Phil will get 45 minutes all to myself. And he can run out and get a massage. Mm-hmm. They And it seems like most of their uh, popularity, by the way, has come from the fact that they wrote a musical and that it's been on Broadway for two years. Uh, and... Yeah, they have like their and like the, the cast and the crew that like we sort of get to know are all of the the folks from that musical and they're like and they're headed to new york to uh do the ed harrison show to do promo for the musical and they're excited about what promo it'll be for the musical and i'm like buddy you've been on broadway for two years like you're doing fine i mean it's the 50s or 40s though so like i literally just watch headline after headline spin (laughs) at me 
about how great you're doing. <laughs> Honestly, I think yeah. they just had to establish the connection to the Ed Harrison show so that later when it comes up, we didn't question it. They're like, oh, yeah, right. They had that in. Yeah, also, he the, he plans to go to the Ed Harrison show. He cancels on the Ed Harrison show to go to Vermont. And then he calls up the Ed Harrison show again to be like, let me come on to promote this show I'm doing. Like, let somebody cancel on me and try and get their spot back if I'm producing a show. They're old friends from the army, though. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if they're from the Kiss Army. They're not getting back on my show. Speaking no, of old friends from the army, though, the boys get a letter from an old friend from the army asking them to view his sister's act while they're still in Florida. And so we're going to go do that. We meet the sisters, Betty and Judy Haynes, played by Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. And uh, it turns out they're just the same kind of odd couple. And Judy is the one who wrote the letter to Wallace, tricking them into coming. Um, And so the boys watch Betty and Judy sing Sisters. It's incredible. Bill notices Bob is hella into it. And then the four of them meet up after the performance and everyone gets to flirt. For Bob and Betty, that means fighting. And for Judy and Phil, that means dancing on the back porch. We get another good kind of one-liner here, too, where it's like, isn't this cozy? Boy, girl, boy, girl. I think about that sometimes. That line, I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ugh, what? What are you talking about? It's all of it is that, like, old-timey, like, aggressive, like, we're flirting at you. Right. Yeah, But either way... With four people, wouldn't a girl have all... Well, I guess not. I was just going to say, wouldn't a girl have always sat next to a boy in that situation? But then I was like, I guess they could have done two and two. Regardless. She could have sat next to her old sister, her spinster old sister. (laughs) uh, Who, by the way, is seven years younger than her. Rosemary Clooney is seven years younger than Vera Ellen. Interesting. I did not know the big age difference. Um, between all of the cast. So Bing Crosby was 51 when wow. this was filmed. Which and is basically she... on death's door in this in this era. Exactly. <laughs> and she's 26. He's literally twice her age. Oh, t- he's Rosemary Clooney's 26? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So that makes some later scenes real uncomfortable for uh-huh. me. But um, I didn't know that until just this watch through. I was thinking she looked young in a scene, so I looked it up. And I was like, "Oh, holy shit!" She, I do. Speaking of um, what she looks like, she does. She, I thought that she looks just like um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss. Moss. Yes, I thought that she, this girl, looked just like Elizabeth Moss. I could see that. Had trouble not seeing that it was Elizabeth Moss. Frankly, I'm not sure what a time travel situation. What if Elizabeth <laughs> Moss turns out to be George Clooney's aunt? That's how they got the Men in Black pen. <laughs> see, it's all coming together. <laughs> okay, so I have a thought. Um, yeah. The brother. Of the Haynes sisters that they keep being like, that dog-faced loser, Ogo uh-huh. boy. Um, who's actually uh-huh. really hot in that yeah, photo. Yeah. I saw the photo and was waiting for like a distorted looking like <laughs> right? thing. And then I was like, he's not bad. Like, he's I don't get it. He's not even making like that weird of a face. <laughs> he does. He is freckle-faced. I'll give him that. But who doesn't like How freckles? How dare he be freckle-faced? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get that. I was like, you should have picked someone way more uggo if you really wanted to make a whole deal out of it. Uh-huh. Can I mention also that the person in that photo is Alfalfa of the original Little Rascals? Oh, no way. Whoa. Yeah. 
So I'm sure he's like, I'm sure they have his headshot and all that. Yeah, first of all, you guys all have a thing for Alfalfa. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, I'm sure he just had like a special skills on his resume, like being ugly. And they like have all those (laughs) in one stack at the studio. Special skills, goofy face. My only thing I want to mention here before we move on is just that like, I love this dance. This Judy and Phil dance. I love that like, we see their chemistry like they do have great chemistry throughout i think the whole thing and certainly much more than than uh the other two um and and like i love that we see it as like from this very choreographed um and also just like thing that does not make sense why are you dancing like you just can't you can't question this thing too hard it's just sort of like they were overtaken by the jitterbug or something i don't know I really like this song is kind of like an introduction to, hey, this movie just has some performances in it and some of them get kind of experimental. So just enjoy it. And here you go. It struck me on this rewatch how the background of it is just a a set. Like it's not an actual physical place that they're filming in front of. It is a set. And that's true really of the whole movie. But this scene was the first. Well, I guess the opening scene too is very set like but um i don't know if that was like standard practice in the old timey movie world or if it was just this one but it's really throughout the whole thing i mean i will say that when we watched wizard of oz there were a number of times i thought judy garland was going to truman show her ass right into the right into the back (laughs) wall (laughs) like that's like you just see that it's a set that's right there but to also to your other point that like this this number starts what's going to happen a few times in this movie which is the characters look right down the barrel during the performance like as if to say we don't care we know that we're just singing for you and this is yeah. just for you mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, it, and frankly i don't like it, it shakes my soul too. <laughs> i thought i loved this dance number i think um the part that had me most concerned in the dance number is when they're going up on that bridge and um <laughs> judy's character is swinging around the poles that are lining the bridge and there's literal water underneath that yeah. bridge and i was like god to have to refilm because someone falls off with their full costume and hair and makeup <laughs> into the water like please there's so many risky dance things that they do that i'm like wow they really had one shot to get that like they really uh-huh. had to get the whole thing in one um one go yeah there's not a lot of edits in this movie in yeah general. we were talking about that too when we were watching it there are all these like really long shots that like come in the middle of these big like orchestrated numbers with so many people that like right you're not they're not like just like getting the little the little tiny zoomed in thing like it's everyone go like it's a performance the level of talent in this cast is just massive though like i mean vera ellen not her singing so much but um you know she has such dancing prowess that i like i mean there's a song later i forget what song it is exactly but she just like pops up and is like Woohoo, here you go. And it's incredible <laughs> and like the most impressive dance you've ever seen. And then she just hops out and like, okay, I'm done. Like no it's big really, deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the way that someone would do a saxophone solo in a song. She just comes out and does a dance <laughs> solo and then the song keeps going. <laughs> yeah. I um I read that she went to the same dance studio as Doris Day growing up oh. in Ohio. So that's a fun yeah. trivia fact for you, Andy. <laughs> wow, she's coming for you. <laughs> um the so what's the song the song is called like the best things happen when you're dancing or something what's the do you have it um that is exactly what the song's called 
yeah, the best things happen while you're dancing. I don't care about the song, but I, I do think that the dance number that she does with Danny Kaye outside is maybe my favorite dance number in the movie. Mm-hmm. Wow. But the sister's song is very is, is not only very fun, but when I listened to it just later on Spotify, I was surprised how much I liked it as a song and how kind of hip and Ella Fitzgerald-y it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bop. All right. So then there's some some trouble for the girls, though. Huh? Yeah. So we're going to have a little, it's even in the movie, it's a little exposition dump. It's basically like the movie is staring down the barrel of the camera saying, all right, look, we got to move everyone from Florida to Vermont and just here's how we're going to do it. Um, so the, the girls are having landlord problems. The police are involved for some reason. And Phil gives them the train tickets that he and Bob had purchased to get themselves to that Harrison show in New York City. Um, and they like hop out, the girls hop out the window and go to this train. Oh, but then... they leave some stuff behind their phonograph, their record, and their they trunk. can't get all of their, all of their like show supplies. And Bob and Phil have to find a way to to stall the police person who is there. Um, so they do and, a classic Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> and so they like throw on all of the supplies that the girls have left and do a little drag rendition of Sisters um, for everyone who is just there at the at the club that night. Um, and it's, I mean, I it is charming. It's just like there's there's so many moments where you can see that like one of them is breaking. Um, so the only other trivia thing that I'll mention, I think, is that um, this was not like the originally planned scene. It was truly Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye like messing around on mm-hmm. set, um, doing that in like a break time or whatever, and they found a way to work it in to the plot. So yeah. I'm wondering what the like original plan was for yeah. that. I have no idea, or like even if like the whole thing of them needing to escape was written in just to get to this. I think it might have been, honestly. Yeah, but uh, like I did read, Danny Kay said that because Fred, um, Ben Crosby's wife had died right before this movie started, and he it's the when they're doing the sisters number, like basically at that till that point in filming, he had seemed real glum on set all the time, but during sisters. Danny Kay really locks in on him and tries to get him to break. He's like hitting him with the fan all those extra times mm-hmm. that aren't choreographed and scripted. And there's a la- there's like a really real like kind of girlish little giggle that comes out mm-hmm. of Bing Crosby at the very end of this number that's very cute and very real. And Danny Kay says that like every day was different after that. Oh, oh that's so that's sweet. sweet. Yeah. I like that. Um, okay. Well, so that's how they get to Vermont. So everyone flees to the train. And, uh, but Bob and Phil don't have tickets anymore. And so they, uh, that just, you know, quickly resolves itself when the girls come and meet them. And then they all hang out on the train to Vermont. Um, well, I guess I should say they meet up with the girls who convince Bob to join them in Vermont. Um, and because they are booked at the Holiday Inn. Um, and this is where we get snow, a song yeah. where they just are on a train for themselves, just singing about how much they love the snow. Steph, and making you... a little miniature snow mm-hmm. skate. 
For who? Like, in kayfabe, who is that? Who? Wait, who... before we uh, get too deep into this song, I want to ask Steph, do you, we, last week we did Nightmare Before Christmas, mm-hmm. and you said a little something during uh, the song What's This when we were talking about that song. Here, do you remember? Here, I have it if you don't remember. <laughs> Previously on Musical The Movie The Podcast. Also, just a great celebration of snow. More things should celebrate snow like that. Snow like that. Wow. Okay. The echo out. <laughs> <laughs> That's also the survivor previously on music, by the way. <laughs> That's a little touch because we're missing survivor to record this podcast right now. Um, right now. But uh, uh, yeah, you you uh, you love snow. You love the song. Love we snow. covered it earlier. Like, like, honestly, I say that like I'm upset about who is that little snowscape for me is the answer. I find that <laughs> little snowscape adorable. So the song was originally written for a previous Irving Berlin movie called Call Me Madam that I think Vera Ellen is also in, but the title is Free mm. and it's like a real rah-rah patriotic song and it's like free. <laughs> the only thing worth fighting for is to be free. A different wow. world you'd see if it were left to me. Yeah. No. That Bye. melody doesn't fit that at all. message at all. Well, that's, it that is perfect for celebration of snow. The way mm-hmm. that their voices blend into each other, mm-hmm. which I don't know who's voicing Vera Ellen in this version. Um, I know the reprise is actually her singing. It's the only time she does. Sorry, that's another trivia. Um, <laughs> but the way that their voices blend and the way it's written, it's like, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like snowbanks, kind of like how they drift. Mm. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's just very well suited to the subject matter. Not to be a hater, I did think this was the weirdest part of the movie. Hell yeah, one of the weirder Gimme. parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Gimme. I was like, uh I don't know. And the way they build that snow cord at the beginning <laughs> of the song and at the end snow. of the song, I was just like, this is so bizarre to me. But I didn't, I didn't not like it. I was just kind of like, all right. Maybe a different number about snow or just no number about snow. Like, that's fine, too. I think if I started editing the movie and was like, what can I get rid of? I'd be like, this snow song. Um, I know that's painful to hear. But it really it is, is how I but truly I, feel. But no, but I, I welcome it. What I was going to say is that, like, so the movie is called White Christmas. And we mm-hmm. get these, like, opening and closing White Christmas. And we have this little, like, they do a snow song. and they, But nothing about the plot of the movie is about snow or White Christmas, like, at all. But there are these touchstone scenes here and then at the end about that make you think that they we should care if it snows or not. Yes. And I feel yeah. like this, I feel like this song is another one of those. Like, we're like, they're like, no, we're 40 minutes in, but it's still about snow. Yeah. And maybe totally. it's like their excuse to have White Christmas be the opening and closing song because White Christmas is all about how he really wants it to snow at Christmas. And then, you know, here they get excited for the snow and then they get there and there's no snow. And then at the end, it's like, there's snow. <laughs> Look. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah. you titled the movie White Christmas. So I guess that's kind of a spoiler. Right. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I love when they get off the train and they're like, say, buddy, why? where's the snow? And it's like, do you even know that guy? Like, <laughs> he's like, where are you keeping it? Guy. Wait, can I tell you something I read about that, which is that Bing Crosby says, oh, why don't we ask Cisco here? And apparently it was because Bing Crosby recognized that actor from three appearances on the TV show, The Cisco Kid. And I'm like, is this how Bing Crosby operates? <laughs> he just walks around calling people by, by other, other pro- programs that he recognizes them from. Other Probably. projects? Probably. Uh, you know you know Bing Crosby walked in. There he is. There he is. Hey, it's my old friend Irvin Berlin. 
He shakes every person's hand. So the only plot thing that we haven't mentioned in this point is that by this point, Judy and Phil are like explicitly conspiring to hook up Bob and Betty. True. That's literally the only plot. I mean, it really of is. the whole movie. And, like, and that's why we get is... songs like Snow, because they have nothing else to sing about. Like, <laughs> there's no songs you can write on the plot of what's happening, because really not much is happening. I, and I do think that that's 100% true, what you're saying. And yet, I think this movie is almost nothing but plot, with, like, maybe three or four songs that happen that have no plot in them whatsoever, that are uh-huh. just performances. But then other than that, there are so many twists and turns and that happen in this plot where it's like, oh, none of this needs to be happening. Yeah, none of it matters. None of it matters. It is the lowest stakes of any film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It really is a sitcom stretched out to two hours. (laughs) Hold on to your butts (laughs) because this twist is going to come. They get to the inn in in shiny green Vermont and the owner of the inn is General Waverly. Hold for gasp. Everyone remembers who <laughs> <A> that <janitor. laughs> Um Yeah, so they get there, and the owner of the the inn is their old general. I, I, like, I yes, please. I whatever. just want to talk about how I find this actor actually really affecting for some reason. I don't know what the it general? is. general? Yeah. His name's Dan Jagger, and I, everything he does, he just sells it with, like, this tongue-in-cheek and this, like, you can really see, like, like... I don't want to be in the army ever a day in my life, but I would do anything this guy asked me to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, sir. That's snapping to attention, you know? Yeah, I got you. You know, we were at wondering too, and this is as good a time as any. He's got a granddaughter. Like, it's like, it seems like the, yeah, okay. Maddie's who face is, this is like. this girl's mom? Like, okay. where are her parents? Why the, is she the, there? The people who live not. at this She's inn are young enough. him, the granddaughter, and uh, uh, Ethel. Not Ethel. What's her name? The the their like general purpose you. helper. Uh, yeah, I didn't Emma. Her name. Emma is her yeah, Emma. Um, and right, who is this girl? Like, why is she there? Like, what what like narrative purpose is she serving? Even from a writing perspective, yeah. Ashley, you write you write a lot. Can you explain to me why, from a narrative perspective, this this girl was in the screenplay? Someone's daughter. Needed in the film. <laughs> oh, what's her so, name? Anne Berlin. So, yeah, someone's, someone owed someone a favor. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. I thought the same thing. And her age just really threw me. Like, maybe, I don't know. But then I think if it was a younger girl, it still would have been weird. It doesn't really yeah. matter. It's, it's also weird. worth mentioning that uh, Bing Crosby is 51 at the time, but Dan Jagger is 51 in six months. He is older than Bing Crosby, even though he's made out to be such an old man interesting he looks a lot older he does and that might just be makeup but there is some makeup at play but yeah he's just got those eyes yeah he's Uh, (laughs) i really also love i do like the idea of him in this like i'm gonna have my quiet vermont retirement and then like in walk to numbskulls from my it's just like this poor guy has so much shit to deal with He's kind of like, we keep the general thing on the DL here. Well, I guess he doesn't say DL. but um, No, I think he said DL verbatim. <laughs> he said the QT. Yeah. He, said, he said, he said, Loki, I'm trying not to keep that on Maine. <laughs> I'm trying not to keep that on Maine. <laughs> on Maine. And then he dabs. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Great uh, movie. Great movie. <laughs> so, 
We're at the inn. It's General Waverly's inn, but it is green in Vermont, and so no one is coming to the inn, and he has sunk his life savings into it, and it's on the verge of bankruptcy. And Bob and Phil are going to save this inn, and they're going to save it by bringing their Broadway show to perform in this tiny town in Vermont, and apparently everyone's in like literally it's just like we see bob like call some guy and is like all right get him on up here everyone you can make it and it's like are these people is this like what they're doing for christmas now like also i do want to mention that before that the the sisters get in and the the uh emma at the desk is like oh well there's no one really here we gotta cancel your shows i'm so sorry and the general comes in and he's like bull hockey he's like we'll have him do the show for six people and then it cuts to them doing the show and like there's a spotlight guy and there's a, my, again, my producer brain is like, they're paying that spotlight guy. They're paying that band. They're paying that <laughs> producer. This guy's just taking a bath right now to put this show on. Yeah. I also had insisted. that thought. Yeah. There's a lot of staff at this inn. Yeah. <laughs> and yet whenever they need sandwiches, like Rosemary Clooney's like, I'll help. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll uh-huh. dig around in the back, see what I can find. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we get the whole the whole caboodle comes up to Vermont. Um, so we do their first. We do this big rehearsal. It's like it's like a fun joke that we get this like ten minute number, and then they smash cut to they're doing it for like three people because no one's there. Um, and this is also where this ten minute number is like, hey, I love minstrel shows. What the fuck? It's nineteen fifty four. Yeah. Okay, well, I do want to mention here that it is a little bit progressive because Holiday Inn featured a minstrel number, like featured (laughs) blackface. And it's a song about Abraham Lincoln's birthday that features blackface performers in it. And then this song is just kind of like, boy, wasn't it it great when we had blackface? (laughs) Just what the fuck? Why? It's not like, and it's not, again, it's not, it's not like serving anything. It's just, they're doing like a vaudeville show. They are. Yeah. It's just a loose number. I, it's maybe a good time to mention that there was a song written by Remy Berlin called A Singer, A Dancer that was written for Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire when it was them originally. When Astaire becomes available, he rewrites it for Donald O'Connor as a crooner, a comic. And mm. then when Donald O'Connor leaves the project, that song just gets cut completely at that point. <laughs> They're like, Danny, you're off the hook. Yeah, we don't know exactly what you are, and we can't make an alliterative <laughs> song about it. Um, so after this uh, rehearsal, there is more scheming and more romancing. Um, we get this little plot where uh, uh, Judy and Phil like conspire so that Bob and Bob... Bob and Betty will um, make sandwiches together. That's their plot, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it works. They make out over sandwiches. And he sings a song. Uh, Bob sings a song called what? Count Your Blessings Instead of Sheep. This is a song I remember uh, always feeling like it's very sweet. It is very. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's very sweet, but I'm never going to listen to it a day in my life. Right. It's exactly a Bing Crosby song. It's like what I think of when I think of him. And that might be because, you know, this is like the first thing I saw him do. But it's just it's just that. For about 15 seconds in this song, Betty's just staring, um, (laughs) staring really hard back at Bing Crosby. And it's like. She's not like engaged staring. She's kind of like, 
like just not there and then she softly smiles after that and i was like oh that was weird like i feel like she didn't know how to react during this song being sung at her um and then all of a sudden she remembered she was like acting and was like ah yes my i'm smiling this is great um i just noticed that and it was very weird maybe i just am reading too deeply into it but i love that i also i read that raspberry clooney said that pretty much everything he says about the sandwiches and what kind of dreams they give him is improvised. And it's like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> we can tell. It's not good enough to be scripted. It's not. Uh, one other thing we were talking about is that they, so later, much later, they're like fighting and Bob sort of acts like he's going to put this number into their show. Like, like in this moment, it sort of like seems like it just sort of like comes up and he's he's like singing her this little lullaby. And then later he's like, hey, I was thinking about the count your blessings number and then like starts to play it on the piano. What it it was. And so it means there's two possibilities. One is he was running material on her, (laughs) which is a dick move. And two is which is a little bit sweeter, but they never talk about it, that he he did this off the dome for her. And then was like, hang on a second, I'm going to write that down. That's pretty good. That should go in the show. Either way, kind of douche move. Uh, (laughs) It's like when you hang out with your comedy friends and someone starts riffing on something and then you realize they get their notes app out. And you're like, (laughs) what are you doing? What are you up to? Look, you got to write it down. You got to write it down or you'll forget. Yeah, right. (laughs) He does kind of seem like the kind of guy who needs like credit for everything he does. And so... If he had, you know, the song that maybe he came up with then, maybe not, but he only got kind of a weird half smile from Betty at the end of it. Like he needs more. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 this needs a better audience. Yeah. <laughs> Pearls before swine, this song right now. So now a, h- a hilarious misunderstanding is about to happen. Yeah, it's hilarious. So Bob is uh, with General Waverly as he receives a humiliating rejection letter that uh, to his request to rejoin the army and in a determination to prove to the general that he's not forgotten, still beloved, Bob makes a plan to call up everyone from their old regiment and uh, calls up his old buddy Ed Harrison for help because that's a thing he can still do. And uh, Ed suggests that they put the general on his show and they make a big scene of his misfortune and of Bob's kindness and that it would be free advertising for Bob and Phil, who still need free advertising for their show. Um, and then Ben Bob rejects the idea, saying, like, no, nah, it's not about that. We're just trying to get everyone together in Vermont. However, housekeeper Emma, well-established as nosy at this point, is eavesdropping, but she only hears the first half of the conversation. And so she worries that they're going to do this, like, big fancy get everyone on ed Ed sullivan i was gonna say ed harrison um and she's worried for the general's pride and Uh, she tells uh betty she relays ed's idea to betty who under the under the sort of supposition of like they're definitely like bob was in on it yeah and then Betty is like, what the fuck, Bob? And Again, then, this is one of those parts where I like... actually say that. No, right? Where she doesn't use her words. She's no, just she like say cold. Anything. <laughs> and, she and just like, leaves. leaves the room whenever yeah. he comes near. Yeah, a really well-developed female character, but I'm sure one of the many female screenwriters in Hollywood <laughs> in that time. 
this is also where I have written down, meanwhile, the rest of the cast performs choreography. <laughs> P.S. A great song happens. I, like, uh, okay. Let's talk about the mix-up, and then we'll come back and talk about choreography. Yeah, this is all, this is the sitcom plot of it all. This is just one of those those plots where, like, it could just be solved with the two people in question talking to each other the way that humans do. Like, like there are some times where you're like, oh, this could happen, but, like, misfortune intervenes and they're never in the same room and blah, 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 and they don't get a chance to work it out. No, they don't They do not do that here. This, this time it just doesn't happen. Yeah, there's not really a villain in this plot at all, so it's just kind of like, okay, we got to make something up for something to be misconstrued or just not have people talk to each other to solve it. We need it. some act um, four drama. Yeah. The gentle folly of Emma is the villain. <laughs> yeah, but like, well-meaning, right? Like, she's trying to yeah. protect the general. Going back to the letter that the general gets really yeah. quickly, who from Washington wrote that? Great Do question. we know? It's very mm. much like, listen, my guy, not not now, but, uh, you know, like, it's so casually written that I'm like, wait, who did this? Yeah, like, people in the army are known for beating around the bush, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's like, the guy's just like, boy, I sure I'm jealous of you relaxing out there on the porch. It must be nice. Uh, my family's doing well. My daughter has moms in the general likes. That's enough. I don't care about his daughter. I didn't write him to hear about his fucking daughter. I wrote to get a job. And he's trying to tell me now I don't have a job. It's like people in the army usually just tell you things. Right? Yeah. So meanwhile, choreography happens. Who wants to try to say what choreography is? (laughs) So I understood (laughs) this performance only after I got to college and took a modern dance class. Love it. Love it. Give me. But That's like, it. What- That's the whole thing. Like, I just, as a kid watching this, I was just like, what is this? What is happening and why? And then, you know, taking a modern dance class, I was like, okay, this is a form of dance. Like, we have ballet or tap. This is modern dance. Okay. So, yeah, it's all kind of a spoof on... Like, I'm sure it was very modern and hip at the time, but, like, it's all kind of a spoof on this choreographer, Martha Graham, who was doing, like, avant-garde dancing stuff at the time. And so it's sort of a complainy song, right? Another, mm-hmm. Again, another complainy song, like, I wish we had mm-hmm. minstrel shows. This one's, like, if there's no longer dance, it's just choreography. And, uh, but it has some amazing choreography in this number. I mean, yeah. it really, it does. And as someone who's taken several Martha Graham modern dance classes throughout my life, not necessarily wanting to, but just having (laughs) to for like curriculum's sake, um, I can say it's really, really, really hard. Like it's such a hard genre of dance and like style of dance to master. So it's kind of funny um, that they're going in on it so, so relentlessly. It's pretty funny. but I, I really liked this number. I thought it was really cool and kind of like the way that um, Phil's like makeup looks and everything uh-huh. about it. I was like, this is really cool. There's uh, there's this one moment where he does this like leap, like he like jumps up onto a platform um, and he it just it looks great. I would just like it's to like, like recommend people look for that. He's sort of <laughs> just shy of homophobic if that makes sense like 
he's clearly like affecting this very foppish tone sure, sure, sure. to sort mm. of but uh, but it's also like family friendly at the at the same time in that respect where like he never goes too deep into it yeah yeah it's not yeah. it's not javier bardem and skyfall is what i'm saying <laughs> I had to think a lot about this movie being made in the 50s and not the 40s. And I don't know why that time difference matters. But, like, thinking about it being in the 50s as, like, a send-up. Uh, as Irving Berlin doing a send-up of, like, oh, look at all this horrible stuff that's coming. Right. Um, But then also, like, right, in doing that, like, makes this, like, really fun modern number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and then also, like, increases the audience of modern dance like right yeah how many yeah. people were then exposed to it by watching this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i thought about that too i like to think of it too as like so sort of ostensibly we're seeing these big numbers as like they as the production crew is rehearsing um so like what is this review that contains like all of these <laughs> individual pieces and then ends with like a big Christmas tree, white Christmas. What, like, yeah. what is the show? What is the plot of this show? Also, it is worth mentioning that they, at one point, they're like, let's rehearse the Abraham number. And then they do a dance. And I turned to Steph and I was like, that again was the Abraham number. I have like, it, it written here in my plot. It's the Abraham number. But I, we're, again, worth mentioning, they're referencing the Abraham Lincoln's birthday song from Holiday Inn, which is the blackface number. But there's, but. No blackface in this movie. It's blackface free <laughs> since four, since fifty three, <laughs> but not before then. Um. So I guess to get back to the plot, like Betty is being cold to Bob. Meanwhile, choreography happens. Uh. Then Judy assumes that Betty's attitude is all about Judy, and so <laughs> Phil and Judy stage a phony engagement. Of course, again, a new subplot that's going to take over <laughs> the next twenty minutes. That has no effect on the main plot whatsoever. <laughs> at the end of it, Betty's still just as mad as she was, as, as was at the beginning of it. Right. Um, but we get this, like, cute little engagement scene, um, and then it backfires, and Betty takes a gig in New York and leaves. And this is Can where we, we get the Abraham number. <laughs> I want to talk about the scene where they come up with the idea to be engaged. Where... Yeah, the line that I have, the quote is, you're not exactly Superman, but you're awfully available. Like Judy is all over Danny Kay in this scene. Like she she really wants him and he's just sort of sputtering and <laughs> doesn't really seem into it. And I don't exactly understand why. Yeah, why he's not into the same it. way. Yeah. yeah. He seems like kind of a poon hound in the beginning, and then by this right? scene he's like he's like shoving her away. He had a line, um, I think after that about how he was like all for it, and then once it was an actual possibility. Um, available to him he got scared of it um and i think he said that to judy which is interesting that he's communicating his feelings directly to another human maybe they maybe they will work out he said something about commitment yeah um yeah and i thought that was weird i also thought it was weird that he didn't want to kiss her um like he really did he was like inching away from that as hard as he could then then when they do kiss at the engagement party then he does it like twice yeah (laughs) oh right also they do so they do one of those like he's really reluctant and they do a a little peck and then like he was like whoa that was awesome i'm gonna go in for more 
in what the 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 little peck that they make that like supposedly convinced him is like nothing. Like what? Mama Mia. Mwah. Yeah. Yeah. You got kiss. Yeah. yeah. And like earlier, they you know when the sandwiches scene, the the counting and her blessing scene. Like, we see the two of them outside the window, like, giving each other's thumbs up, like, watching them <laughs> make out. And I'm like, why aren't you guys making out? There's, right? We know both of your bedrooms is empty right now. <laughs> Everybody got space. Everybody got room. Right. Hotel, motel, holiday inn. If your girl starts acting up, then you take a friend. Um, the, other, the other line I wanted to mention is that after they, after um, Phil and Judy finally kiss... He says, you know, in some ways you're far superior to my Cocker Spaniel. That is a favorite line of your Like, that's a line I've heard you say just out of context. Yeah. Just like yeah. sometimes if I like something. So Phil and Judy admit the truth to Bob. that Their, their love is fake. Um, and Bob becomes enraged and flees to New York to tell Betty and also to do his thing on the Ed Harris show. Ed Harrison show. Um Betty get oh so so he gets there and Betty gives just a banger of a love forlorn number love you didn't do right by me um and it's like clearly all about her feelings for Bob um and then afterward they awkwardly talk but like still don't talk and then Bob goes on uh at Harrison show and Betty watches it and uh realizes she realizes that the like, truth. she yeah. was mistaken there's truth and she goes back just in time to be on the show um and somewhere in there oh when when he's on the show we get again um bob singing what can you do with the general which is now like the second just a lot of lo- promotional consideration by the united states military <laughs> forces yeah. promotional consideration by uh, something Steph and i say a lot when we're watching because you know a lot of times you'd be watching like you know, stuff in the 90s, like, and kids would be playing, uh, you know, uh, like, Promotional consideration crossfire. provided by Skechers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Promotional consideration provided by Milton Bradley. Uh, and, like, this movie mm. is definitely <laughs> promotional consideration provided by the U.S. Armed Forces. 100%. But not even, I mean, we still haven't even gotten to the main propaganda number, which is later. But, uh, yeah, he's he does What Can You Do With a General and Ed Harrison. And then I think we just cut right to Christmas, right? And also, yeah. during, while, while all this is happening... Danny Kay is getting to do some physical comedy about pretending to have broken his foot to keep the general away from the TV. Yeah, that's good. I'm just going to say about um, Love You Didn't Do Right By Me, which is the revenge song she sings. Um, (laughs) It's her lemonade. That's, Uh yeah. Like, that was for sure a revenge dress. Um, It's a hot revenge dress. Yeah. That's the only, like, good thing that rosemary clooney <laughs> contributes to this movie in my opinion wow like, she doesn't fired. do much much else uh it is i mean it is a hot solo number so now we're back at we're back at the inn it's christmas eve soldiers are pouring in to surprise general waverly um and he arrives at the show they've done some like uh, hijinks to get it. They, they've like pretended that both of his suits are at the cleaner, so he has to wear his uniform. Um, and I just, I sorry, I didn't even write that in because I didn't think I wanted to talk about it, but like, what a weird, there's so many things that like it's convoluted plot things that just like they're like, eh, it's just fine. 
It'll just yeah. work out. Well, yeah. and the plot literally is that they have nothing going on, so why are his suits dirty? Amen. <laughs> I was just thinking like, that. Like, what, what is this? Um, but it works, because it has to. And uh, he arrives, and the there's, like, their whole big inn is full of soldiers surprising him with a chorus of the old man. The will follow the old man. Um, I do want to say that I did tear up the first time that we watched this when that <laughs> happened. I, what, I guess what I do care about is m- men doing the emotional least. And that's something you see in this movie. That's uh-huh. something that's something that always gets me in a movie. And like that's something that happens here is like he just shows just enough. God, again, if the, I don't know how this guy wouldn't nominate for an Oscar. He's so good in this. That what he shows on his face is a mixture of like the surprise and like he's he's there's joy about it, but he's not gonna let that show. Instead, uh-huh. he swallows that down so quickly and turns it into this very tongue in cheek, like how they're a sloppy unit and they need to get their shit together speech. Uh, it's so good. I I, I genuinely, re- I, I have goosebumps a little bit thinking about his performance <laughs> in this part. As much as I don't care about so much this movie, for some reason, this performance in this scene really gets me. Yeah, and he's got tears in his eyes. It's yeah. Like very clear. Yeah. yeah. And his eyes are gorgeous. They, yeah, they so are. He's he got, like, got the wrinkles and stuff, eyes. but like, yeah, but the eyes are shining through. Um, yeah, I, I, so also, I mean, we're right here at the end. So like the only other thing that happens is that it starts snowing and they sing white Christmas and, um, during, well, like in the middle of the performance, everyone like looks at each other and decides that they're going to be happy together forever. Yeah. Um, and that's I do want to mention that the, <laughs> the snow that they used, the fake snow was asbestos. Ooh! We did not know it was 1954. That's a fuck ton of asbestos. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of airborne asbestos. They're gonna get that mule disease that they breathe all that asbestos. (laughs) Seriously. But so I learned on your um, Wizard of Oz episode though about the makeup, like straight up poisoning Uh, the cast. So that must have been just a thing of the time. Right. You just had to sign up shitload of waivers when you signed on to a movie in the old days. No, they didn't have lawyers then. You just (laughs) didn't have any, you just didn't have any way to sue. I I mean, but it's funny, like, you. I mean, not only that, but like when you think about all this dancing that happened, like Ashley, you were talking about, Maddie, you were talking about like in the dancing on top of the boats and everything. It's these Uh long shots and there's no doubles. It's just them running up and doing this. Think about Sound of Music, where Liesel is running and jumping all around that gazebo and breaks her ankle, you know, doing it. Like, this is, this is like, all stuff that does not happen anymore. This is this <laughs> is stuff like, like you know, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone had doubles in La La Land. And, and when they didn't, they weren't doing dangerous moves like that, you know? So yeah. it's just an interesting thing that doesn't happen anymore. This is but a foreshadow of my plug dance. later. Oh, interesting. Ooh. I guess that's that's pretty much it, right? Is there anything in the end we want to talk about? I like I'm excited to talk about how I feel like this is I'm excited to talk about an an, an adaptation, a modern adaptation. Um, but I Wait, know that before, we, before, do before that, we do that, yeah. I just want to drop one more little piece of trivia, which is that at a dinner for President Eisenhower, Irving Berlin wrote new lyrics to Gee, I wish I was back in the army. That was all about Senator Joseph McCarthy's smearing of top U.S. Army officials as communists. 
uh, and it went like that. I can't, I don't know what to make of this. I just wanted to bring it to you guys so you could help me <laughs> parse it. The new lyrics went, uh, gee, I wish I was back in the army. In spite of all the Joe McCarthy noise, I'll help him shout to kick the commies out, including all the Fifth Amendment boys. But when Joe gets to smearing the army, I think of 1942 and three. If on that vital date, he cried, investigate the Normandy invasion and the army came too late. Oh, gee, I wish I was back in the army. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I don't even know if I should be mad about that. Like, I don't. So you're mad about McCarthyism only as it relates to army generals. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. This guy was so patriotic during World War II and his name's Berlin. I mean, that didn't ring any bells for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no alarm bells went off on that. Maybe he pronounced it Berlin. Oh, that's true. That's how uh, there's, there's a town in Wisconsin that to this day is pronounced New Berlin. And it's because wow. they, they didn't want to be Berlin during the war. Anyway, I don't know how to fix this movie. How do we well, fix this movie? I guess, yeah, let's talk about what a, what a remake would look like. Um, I mean, it would be more, it would be more of a sort of comedy. You'd have, you know, Jonah Hill running around or something like that. I don't know. In the Danny K role. <laughs> Actually, you know what I was thinking? Who would be great in this Danny K role? Because I just watched him do a fuck ton of barrel rolls in the movie uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse or whatever. It's not called Welcome to the Dollhouse, but uh, what is it? Was it called Seth? It's the movie uh, that, that's whose name I can't can never get right. Don't worry, darling. Don't worry, darling. Uh, is Harry Styles? I think I feel like Harry Styles would make a great little uh, Danny Kay in this movie. I thought that'd be fun. I was gonna say um, someone like a Keegan Michael Key, who's just like Ooh. a little bit like. Um, like, I feel like he can be kind of, like, gangly awkward, but, like, still very charming. I could see him doing that. No idea if he can sing or dance. Probably. Isn't he in Jingle Jangle? Uh, that's a musical on Netflix, Christmas musical on Netflix. Uh, we we once watched about the first 20 minutes of it. <laughs> I'm thinking Vince Vaughn as both Phil <laughs> and the other. And Bob. Vince, and Bob. I actually really like Vince Vaughn. Like, I know he can't sing. But I do really like Vince Vaughn <laughs> in that in that first role, the the Bing Crosby role, because I I, re, I I press I was thinking this, and then I and then I asked, okay, I was thinking George Clooney, and I was thinking that before I remembered that that was Rosemary Clooney, but I do think George Clooney would make a fun Bob, like because mm-hmm. he's this older man, he's mm-hmm. you know he's you could see him playing kind of disinterested. You know, uh-huh. and women, but like and... still charismatic that people and like has... won't be put off by his disinterest. Yeah, yeah it has the cheeky kind of in on the joke yeah. side mm-hmm. too. And he can croon enough, or he can get that guy for, who sang for him and Oh Brother Where Art Thou to come sing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a lot of thoughts on a reboot of this movie. They they they'd make it completely different. Right. You know, they would it would be called like um like uh, Tinder. You know, for the holiday fire. You know, and it'd be about two people who meet on Tinder and it air on the Hallmark Channel. Like, I don't know. I have no investment. That's actually really good. It's not bad, right? I'm hey, getting out my notes app. Get my notes app. <laughs> <laughs> you could do like lean into the variety show aspect of it, of like all the people you swiped on before. And like Ooh. each of them gets kind of like a number, kind of like cats, but okay. make it not Ooh. cats. I feel like this We're is its own number that we cats. need to we need to just put up here at the annoyance here in Chicago. <laughs> this is its own <laughs> little play. Tender, tender for the holiday fire coming soon. I'll fly um, out. 
Hell yeah. Love it. Ashley's going to have to fly back in for this point. <gasps> I, I will. Fly back in. If we can move on, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll say that uh, one thing that they we always do, Maddie, you, you've been on the show before, so you know this. Ashley, you know that when they remake a musical, something they always do is they add a song to it to get that best original song Oscar. Or if you're Irving Berlin, you just submit the same song originally. <laughs> and, um, and it works. Yeah. But yeah. so I thought, hey, he's on to something. What if I just um what if I just took uh, a tune from one of these <laughs> so that and then submitted it for Best Original Song Oscar? Uh because I ran out of time this week. So uh I did a, a song that's an homage to um one of the songs we hear previously in the movie. And uh, you know, we we all know the song Snow. Uh the song is called Hail. Um and uh, <laughs> and uh I guess the only other thing I want to say before we get into it is please just remember that Ben Crosby was a bad person. Where okay. in the movie does this fall? Uh, where the minstrel show number was. Instead, okay. they walk out and they're like, they hear, so they see through the window. They're like, oh, is that snow? Is it snow? Maybe we're finally getting snow. And then they walk out and it's not snow, it's hail. Okay, I love it. So okay. Far. And, uh, and because I wrote and recorded this today and Steph. Uh, I haven't heard had, it. Seth had nursing school today. I was not able to make it a, a anything but a but a, a solo. So it is a Bing Crosby solo the way I did it here with a terrible Bing Crosby impression. Uh, so here it is, a musical, the movie, the podcast exclusive, Hail from White Christmas. Hail, 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 hail. Sicy rain makes my noggin feel odd. It's hail. My car looks like it lost a fight with God from hail. Hail. I long to see my neighbor's yappy dog taken out by hail. Sign <laughs> off, Sparky. My roofer could afford a trip to Prague because of hail. When it's hailing, it can be the size of a great or littler. I love hailing all throughout the day, and I'm not talking about that goofball Hitler. Hail. Safe flight repair, safe flight replace because of hail. Hail. <laughs> no officer, those welts on my kid's face are from hail. It's like ice but slimy, good old hail. We wouldn't have beat those limeys without Nathan Hale. Hale. <laughs> I'll wash my hair with hail. I'll soon be it. What's that? Can they, can they hear that on the track? Should we maybe do a stop? What the, what's that? Oh! The hail hit me in the teeth. <laughs> uh, the hail knocked out my teeth. Well, so while we stop playing, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up and maybe find some filters. That better not be my beamer, by the way. And who brought the cat into the studio anyway, fellas? You know I'm allergic. That's a disrespectful. Well, I guess I know what I want for Christmas. My two front. Ki- ah! <laughs> Hail! The new song from White Christmas. Uh, Did the hail punch your teeth out? Uh, the hail comes through. I guess I forgot to say this in the song, but at one point, 
let's just say the the last 30 seconds of the song was improvised in every take that I did. And in one of the takes, I did give the exposition that there's a skylight in the studio that the hail falls through and knocks out his teeth. <laughs> Amazing. The uh, way that you really scoop the hail. <laughs> I did use some pitching uh, to, to make it go even lower because he really goes down there. That's hilarious. I have to say, I like the aggressive tone that you've taken in a number of these songs now. <laughs> You're oh, yeah. really coming out with a point of view. Yeah. And what what's the point of view that you think this one has that it's like ice but slimy? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, the Steph's appreciation of the snow song and, you know, it's fluffy, cozy intricacies and, you know, the lighthearted. And the hail song is kind of like an angry person's like... <laughs> Hail. It's aggressive. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah. it's Let's like go. a song that slaps your nuts with ice. Yes. <laughs> but a well, song. We have our tagline for the remake. <laughs> you've you've seen a song of ice and fire. Now hear a song that slaps your nuts with ice. <laughs> In many ways, it's far superior to my cocker spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I want to mention about writing that song is that I knew I wanted to call Hitler a goofball in it because that's the kind of thing <laughs> they did in all those songs back then. They're like, and that knucklehead Hitler. Oh, wow, wacky Hitler. Yeah, yeah. They just didn't have the vocabulary for it. Look, guys, it's as good a time as any to mention that the only place that you can hear the songs that we create here for Unmusical, the movie, the podcast is our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbfun. Uh, of which Ashley is now a a, 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 a a hat trick. She's done every all three podcasts on the Dumb Fun Network. Thirty Ooh, characters, yes. Fanny Falls, Demon Hunter, and this one musical, the movie, the podcast. You're one of about three or four yeah. hour hat tricks at this point. Uh, and uh, uh, check us out there. You can hear those songs. You can hear all the scenes from Fanny Falls, Demon Hunter, which is uh, when this drops is has uh, nine out of thirteen episodes out. Uh, and 30 characters, which we always have fun in December doing weird episodes. Uh, of There's an episode out right now where I play Andre the Giant, uh, who on 30 characters can't get into heaven because he's too big. Uh, <laughs> and so he's hosting his own podcast on 30 on the 30 characters feed called Locked Out of Heaven with Andre the Giant. So uh, check that out and check out our Patreon, please. Uh, Steph, you just finished your first semester of nursing school today. Hell yeah, I did. Oh, uh, congrats. Yeah. Congrats, and uh, and hey, money ain't cheap, as my friend Ever Maynard once said. So uh so hit up that uh hit up that Patreon, patreon.com slash dumb fun and uh and uh help us um eat dinner. Ashley, what do you got that you want to plug? You're you're on the precipice of a big change here. Yeah, I guess I'll plug I'm moving to New York, so <laughs> <laughs> So if you live there, if, yeah. please book you. If you can help me in New York and book me on your show, please do it. And uh, besides that, I guess I'll book Holy Fuck Comedy Hour, which is a show I've been co-producing for the last year and a half at the Annoyance Theater. Um, Keep going, even when I'm no longer co-producing. It's the best. Um, It's improvised sketches by a bunch of absolute whack jobs. So um, definitely go Friday's Midnight Bree at the Annoyance. Always free. So. Love that. Ashley, you know, I mean, you, I, I feel like I, I tell you this all the time, but you're just one of my favorite performers, someone who I, I saw, we did a Chicago Underground Comedy together about five years ago, and I just like latched my hooks into you, and I've been draining you for all your talent at Character Assassination Roast on podcasts and everything. Uh, and one, truly one of the great joys of my life was getting to meet your parents 
and grab them <laughs> by the arms and tell them how talented I think you are uh, oh at a roast. Uh, so uh, I, I look forward to hearing great things from you and I look forward and all my New York friends, uh, you know, they all listen to this podcast. Don't worry. So that's as good as taken care of. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for yeah. the end. And thanks for always having me. It uh, means a lot. Oh, I have a great time with you all. Thanks for always doing it. Uh, Maddie, what would you like to plug on this episode? I'd like to plug unions. Unions are great. They help you avoid break your ankle when you're dancing in the gazebo. They give you stunt doubles. They make sure you get paid fairly. You know, a whole range of things that they can do. So, you know, don't give unions a hard time. Support them. If you're thinking about unionizing, go for it. Why not? Shoot your shot. See what happens. We just uh, passed a, uh, some kind of amendment here in Illinois that allowed people to uh, the workers' the rights. rights amendment. Yeah, it protects yeah. the rights of workers to unionize. It's yeah. great. How sad that we have to protect that. Yeah. Well, anyway, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to plug um, making good choices over the holidays so that you don't end up in any sort of medical facility. But also, like, making, like, not only good choices. Like, make, like, one or two bad choices. Just because it's more interesting. That's my plug. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, and then uh, I'll also mention uh, that people can come out. If you're in Chicago, you can come out January 1st to the Laugh Factory for the roast of Elon Musk. And uh, that's going to be a fun bunch of stupid people playing stupid characters. And uh, it's it's going to be fun. That's all I'll say. Thank you, uh, Ashley and Maddie, so much for being on the show. Uh, two of our favorite people. And uh, it, it's an absolute delight. Uh, I'll say this. So our next episode comes out December 26th, Boxing Day, as they call it, in it over the seas. <laughs> um, but so we wanted, we didn't want to do a Christmas movie on December 26th because everyone's sick of Christmas music at on noon, December 25th. So, <laughs> uh, so we're doing a movie that's not Christmas, but it's still for when it's cold outside. What is it, Steph? It's frozen. We're talking Disney's about more snow. Frozen. Yeah, oh, snow. No. It's our first Disney. My sister's cursed to not be able to touch anyone while they turn to snow. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's our it's our uh, our second Disney after Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, I guess that's true. It's It's our first true. Disney princess. It's, uh, it's our first Disney princess, certainly. All right, we, we can have this fight from, next week. From Elsa and the whole gang. <laughs> uh, it's our first Josh Gad, certainly. Uh, so we will hear, we will, uh, check in with you guys in two weeks. Listen to Fanny Falls next week in the interim. And, uh, until then, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy, happy white Christmas and happy holidays of your own choosing. Bye, friends. Happy holiday happy of all stars. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye, everybody. Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast. With Andy and Steph. Fun dumb.